Good morning. There is always that moment when the lights come up that I immediately go blind for a second, but that's okay. Uh, so, last week I was at Best Buy, just between church and, and youth and just kind of wasting some time, and it happened to be during the football games. And over by the TVs, like, this stood out. I saw somebody uh, in full Bears regalia, like Bears uniform, basically. He was, like, obviously a fan. And so it stood out because, you know, we're in Cincinnati, basically. Uh, but what stood out more is there was a crowd kind of gathering to watch him more than the game. And I'm like, that's weird. And so I walked by. And they're not actually watching him. He had a dog with him. And the dog also had, like, a little Walter Payton jersey on and, and everything. And so, you know, I kind of stayed back and I watched a little bit to see what was happening. And the Bears kicked a field goal and made it. And the dog, like, went around and actually gave everybody five. And I'm like, that's weird. And so, you know, it happens again. They kick another field goal later, goes around, gives everybody five. And so, like, I have to ask. I'm like, that's crazy. He's like, yeah, every time they get a field goal, he gives everybody five. I'm like, what happens when they get a touchdown? He's like, I don't know. I've only had him five years. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Thanks. Okay. So, we are continuing the Upside Down series, and I love this series so much. And you saw from the video what it's about. It's about us living upside down in a world that says the other way is right side up. The world says, hey, you should hate everybody. Hey, you should look out for yourself. Hey, you know, you should just focus on what you need, what you want. But God's like, no, no, no. You're to be upside down. And so it's such a... a an amazing series, such an important series, especially right now in history, in time, because everything around us is so negative and so hateful and so selfish. And we're called to be different. And one of the ways we're called to be different is in the way we help other people, in the way we help the helpless, in the way we, we listen. And so I want to go to uh, one of my favorite scriptures. This is Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he, will be, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. So this is called, this is separate from the great white throne judgment, which is what you read about in Revelation, which I'm sure you guys all went and studied after I talked about it that one time. Uh, but this is uh, the judgment of the nations, and this takes place after the return of Jesus, but before the thousand-year reign, and boy, there's so much. I could do like a whole series on Revelation. I don't think anybody super wants that, but it'd be fun. Um, but regardless, when he said this, in time, when he said this, he was three days away from going up to the cross. Like he was three days away. His life on earth was nearing an end. And more than that, around him are a disciple who would betray him, a disciple who would deny and lie about him, and then the others who would forsake him and run away. And there were Pharisees there, there were all these people there. And yet this is the message that he gave, which means it's vital. With three days left, it's vital, because this is what he wants us to know, this is what he wants them to know, this is what was so important to, to his ministry, to who he is. And it talks about, right at the beginning, he separates into two groups which means there's not a third group, not a maybe, kind of, sometimes. It's you either do this or you don't. You either follow me or you don't. And so I want to go to the next verse as we go into this. This is verse 34. Uh, then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. 
I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you're doing it to me. I think most of us have heard this before or read this before, and there's two misconceptions that come right away. Sometimes it's mislabeled as a parable. This isn't a parable. This is Jesus saying, hey, this is going to happen, guys. But more than that, it's not about works, because we know that works aren't what it gets into heaven. However, it is about faith in action. And it is about the fact that when we have faith, when we give our lives to him, it changes us. Changes us. And that's why the, the righteous are like, what, when did we ever do this? Because they're not focused on the fact that they're doing it. They're just changed. Their hearts are changed. They only see doing good in his name. They only see helping other people. They only see showing Jesus. So they're not thinking, oh, I've got to do this. I've got to work this. I've got to have action. It's about their faith. It's about who they are. And Jesus is talking from a place where he understood poverty. Because him and the disciples lived essentially in poverty. They didn't care about money. They walked around. They, they toured. They didn't have like a mansion to live in. On earth, at least. And so he's talking about this from that perspective, from knowing how important it is, from knowing those people. And over and over again in his ministry, he spoke of helping other people. He spoke of the least of these. He spoke of talking to people, listening to people, loving people. He spoke of looking past ourselves, past our prejudices, past what we think, and into what changes us from him. And he showed it. He showed it by eating with his enemies, by talking to anyone, but more than that, by listening to everyone. And he showed it in the way that he treated everyone. He showed it in the way that he was treated and yet did not return that. He returned love and he returned hope and he returned a help. And so when he says this, the people around him, especially the disciples, are like, oh yeah, we do this. Yeah, this is, this is what we do. This is what we're here for. Like, we're helping other people. That's cool. And so they understood it. Probably some other people were like, wait a second. Now, I don't know if I, I, I'm good with that. And so for us, we see that, and it's like, yeah, yeah. You know, on, in theory, this is good. Because we see people in need. We see people that, that need help. We see everywhere. But we also see ourselves. And as I've said several times, like, we see from our own perspective. Uh, we see as if we're the main character. We see as if everything is about, you know, what fits around us, even if it's unintentional. And so sometimes we think things, even if we don't say them, like, well, you know, I, I had to struggle to get where I am, so they should too. Or, well, I did it this way. I didn't have any help. I don't have to do this. Uh, I don't have enough to give. But here's the thing. Even though we always jump to money, it's not about money. It's not about what a handout is, because when you see a person in need, you help them. That's basic humanity. And that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus called us to do. That's what he told us is upside down, because the world would say the opposite. The world would say, get yours first. He's like, guys, Jesus, others, you. That's our order. That's our, our, our focus. That's our hope. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we forget the help that we've had. Sometimes we forget that we need help. Sometimes we live in a little bubble. 
And we think about what we have, and we think about what we've gone through, and for a lot of people, that's a lot. And it's like, I, don't, I, can't, I can't do anything. There's nothing more. Like, I've done everything I can. I prayed. I talked about it in group. You know, I, I, I'm good. Well, I have a quote, and this is from Anne Frank. Before I read the quote, so a few weeks ago, I was with Beatrice at the Children's Museum, and we went through the Anne Frank exhibit, and I talked about this, I believe. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> at least somebody listens to me. But um, I talked about that. And so since that moment, I've really had her story on my mind. Now, I read the diary when I was in school, but I hadn't read it as an adult, and I hadn't read it you know, knowing what I know now. And so I started reading it, and I've been reading it. And I got this from it. And in reading it, the heartbreaking part is not reading it, because she is a teenage girl, and she's so hopeful, and she has daily struggles, but she has daily hopes and all this stuff. The heartbreaking part is knowing what happens. But she says this, no one has ever become poor by giving. This is someone who essentially had nothing, someone who, over time, her family had to steal ration cards in order to even be fed, and they had to rely on, on other Jewish people who had a business and who let them hide. And in that secret annex, is what she calls it, there were seven people, two families, her family of four and then a family of three. Now imagine living with your entire family and then a couple, another family in like a very small room. So this would be like if Kim and Fish lived with the old fields in like this really small space. And they love each other, and they're all kind, but man. And Hope's keeping a diary and all that stuff. But it would be this crazy, hard situation. And you can imagine the space. You can imagine the food needs, because they could only get four ration cards. And there were seven people, so you know they had to share a lot, and it was not a lot of food. There were growing kids, all this stuff. But about, after about six months, seven months, they realized they had the opportunity to fit one more person. And instead of saying, ah, we've already got seven, these poor people who were on the run, who are hiding for their lives, said, this is so awesome. We can bring somebody else in and keep them safe. And they did it. And so they were given help when they needed it from some people. And then they showed help. They returned it. And it's like no one has ever become poor by giving. Yes, that means money-wise, but it means our lives. Our lives are richer by giving, by helping, by showing who we serve. Another thing that stood out to me from her story, and I just read this last night. They could listen to the radio sometimes on weekends when no one was around. And they were listening to uh, a church in the Netherlands. That's where they were, a Christian church. And the pastor was just going all on about helping people, kind of kind of like what I'm doing. And he's saying, we got to do this, we got to do this. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then Anne says, but he doesn't mean our religion. We are supposed to constantly be an example of Jesus. Our church is called, our faith is called to be an example of Jesus, to be constant examples of giving, of help, of love. And the world says, look out for yourselves. The world says, only focus on people that like you, only help people that agree with you. But that is such a trap. We are called to be different. 
We have to be different. Otherwise, what's the point? And I want to go to the next part. Because while that part of the scripture is convicting, this part, as the kids say, hits different. So verse 41. I hate that. Okay. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. Uh, For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. As I said, the first half of this passage is convicting. And we see Jesus says, hey, you've got to do this. And we think, yeah, we've got to do this. We should. But then in the second half, he drops the hammer and he's like, guys, you have to do this. Not even for their sakes, but for your own. And in this, again, it's not about works and it's not about that. It's not about even being called out for doing bad. It's about being lukewarm. It's about being indifferent. It's about not caring. It's about only looking out for yourself. All the things that the world says to do. You see, faith is shown by our actions. It's shown by the way we talk about other people, the way we talk to other people, the way we help other people, the way we live our lives. And over time, if we build that bubble and we only focus on ourselves and our needs, our heart changes. And as our heart changes, it sees needs less. And as it sees needs less, it changes more and it drops away. And eventually, we don't even care. And that's why he's using this. It's not about the works. It's not about the actions. It's about what it means to do those things. What it means to actually put your money where your mouth is, so to speak. To practice what you preach. To truly be like Jesus. And over time, as our heart changes, and we turn a blind eye, then those in need, their heart changes. And they think, I thought they were the church. I thought they were a Christian. One of the things that we hear, there are a lot of reasons that we could find not to give, not to help, not to do all these things. One of the things that we hear over and over and over again is if I give this person money and they misuse it, that, that's awful. Like how can I possibly do that? How can I possibly give a gift out of my heart, out of hope, and then have someone completely misuse it. We have been given the gift of grace, of salvation. And to keep it to ourselves, I believe that's misusing it. So we focus on when other people misuse a gift, while we ourselves sometimes misuse an even greater one. Because it is not in what happens once you give, once you listen, once you help. It is in that seed that is planted. That hope that is planted. That feeling of being seen that is there. Maybe for the first time for some people. And absolutely, they're going to make mistakes just like we're going to make mistakes. 
but it is about seeing and helping and loving. And we have been given this gift. And we are sitting here on a Sunday morning because we know that it's the right thing, because we know it's the gift we've been given, because we know who Jesus is. And then we go out into the world, and sometimes we leave all that here. But Jesus very clearly says, no, guys, it's even more vital that you take it out with you. It's even more vital because you have to show it. You have to live it. But instead, sometimes we make harsh judgments. We dislike. We even make fun of people who need help. We make fun of people in need. We're like, ah, I'd never go that way. One of the things that I say a lot, especially to the teens, in terms of bullying, in terms of being angry, you know, obviously, as parents, first thing you say is jealousy, etc., and sometimes that's true. But really what it is, is it's always easier to tear down someone else than it is to build yourself up. And sometimes we see in other people our fears of where we could be. We see our past selves. Sometimes we even see our current selves, and it's scary, and it hurts, and it's like, ah, i got to keep that away. And so we get angry. And it would be easy, it would be hard to take that and be like, okay, i got to take this feeling and really change myself. I've got to really get things in gear. i got to be more like Jesus. But it's far, far easier to say, they're the problem. They should have. They didn't. They blah, blah, blah. We see a world, I mentioned this earlier, that is increasingly negative and increasingly one group versus another group, Democrats versus Republicans, politics all over the place, and it's always negative. Uh, even in the course of my life, which has stretched hundreds of years, I've seen as political commercials, which are annoying, go from this is what I can offer to this is why this person is evil. And we see that, and we think when we see that, oh, yeah, that's awful. And then we go and we act like that. We are called to be different. I have another quote. This is from Israel Moore Aivor. Uh, I don't know if that's correct, but that's essentially right. Uh, he is a born-again Christian. He's a writer in Ghana. And he says, don't deceive yourself. Laughing at someone's weakness is not the way to reveal your strength. Your strength is in the help you offer, not the mockeries you deliver. Sometimes we feel like if we separate ourselves from needing help, and we separate ourselves from the people that do, then we look strong. We look together. We look like we've got it. It's the opposite. It's the exact opposite. That does not make us look strong. It makes us look insecure. It makes us look like the world. And this quote says, hey, strength comes from admitting you're imperfect, admitting you have weaknesses, admitting that you need God, because guess what? Everybody does. And so we have to live that. We have to show that. We have to be that. And when you laugh at, when you gossip, when you make fun of people that need help, people that are different, people that disagree with you, it's out of fear and it's out of insecurity, and it's out of anger. And it is very goat-like behavior. Not the good goat, like Tom Brady. <laughs> the bad goat. 
You see, strength doesn't come from money, and it doesn't come from power, and it doesn't come from influence. It doesn't come from a church. It comes from him. It comes from Jesus. It comes from giving our lives to him. It comes from realizing that we're not complete without him, from his grace. And it shouldn't be about the fear of eternal punishment, but that's still real. Because Jesus didn't just say things. And when he says this, he's being legit. He's being straightforward. He's like, guys, there is a right way and a wrong way, and it's very clear, and you got to get it. Not just for your sakes, but for theirs. You've got to show that you're different. You've got to show that you're upside down. And to be upside down means to live more like him every day. It means to recognize the areas where we fail, recognize the areas where we need help, recognize the areas where we're like the world, and change them, improve them, give them to him. Admit that you need help, admit that you can't do it alone because no one can. But with him, with him, all things are possible. When it comes down to it, we don't always have money to give. We don't even always have a lot of time. Some of us work a couple jobs. Some of us work all the time. Some of us, you know, we have family things. There's all kinds of stuff. There's all kinds of reasons, like I said. But we can still help. We help by loving. We help by praying. We help by listening. We help by pointing to someone who can help. We help by giving grace. And sometimes we help by not hating. We help by not mocking. We help by not being wrong. And still, even with all of this, there's no firm guideline that we can look at and be like, well, okay, so what is the area where I definitely need to act and help? And when and how and what do I do? How much do I give all of this stuff? Well, I actually am going to give you a firm guideline. Matthew 7.12. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. We all know this is the golden rule. Jesus makes it simple for us. Very simple. He says, treat other people like you'd want to be treated. Talk about other people the way you would want to be talked about. Help other people in the way you would help. Not in the way you say you would like to be helped, in which you don't need it. But in the way, if you were in a situation where you absolutely needed help, how would you want that? It's very, very simple. And yet it's also very, very hard because it's the opposite of what the world would say. And I'm going to say go further. Because in the passage that I read before this, Jesus said, what you do to the least of these, you do to me. So not just do to others what you would like them to do to you. Do to others what Jesus would do. Talk about others in the way Jesus would talk about them. Help others in the way Jesus would help them. And there's a lot of examples of how he would do that. Be like him. Because he is with everyone. And he died for everyone to have the chance. And then he called us to go out and show people the pathway. And as I've said countless times, 
because I talk all the time now. Your actions, they're not going to earn you a place in heaven. But they can absolutely point the way for someone else to find that path. And through your actions, your faith is shown. Through your actions, your faith grows. Through the you that you show the world, you show Jesus. And you plant that seed and you give that example. I have one more quote of someone who very much did this. Mr. Rogers. And this quote is kind of hard to read, and I'm going to fall off this stage, so bear with me. Uh, it's not so much that we, what we have in this life that matters. It's what we do with what we have. The alphabet is fine, but it's what we do with it that matters most. Making words like friend and love, that's what really matters. As I look out, some people here have struggled and do struggle. But overall, we're all pretty blessed. We're able to be here. We're able to, to be together. We like to think that what we have, how far we go, our influence sets us aside. None of that ultimately matters. Doesn't mean don't try, it doesn't mean don't work. But it means it's not about what we have. It's not about where we work. It's not about any of that, the clothes that we wear. Even if they're really cool Avengers shirts. <laughs> it's about what we do with it. We think back to the parable of the talents. Where the, two ta the two, first two servants, they doubled their money, but it wasn't about that. Is about the fact they went and they tried. They were given a gift and they tried. The third one just buried it. And he got sent out. Over and over again, Jesus makes it very clear that while we are saved by salvation, what we do still matters. What we do with that gift, how we help other people, what we show still matters. Because we are here not to live a solo life. Not to just hear a message and some awesome music and then go home and feel good about it, although good. But to literally be upside, well not literally, to figuratively be upside down. To be different. To see the way the world is and say, that's not the way Jesus is. And to show that every day, even when we don't feel like helping. And I'm going to say this, the less you feel like helping someone, the more important it is to help. Because while that help, while that focus, while that listening, while that love absolutely helps them, that feeling means we got to get it under control too. In order to grow our faith, we have to show it. We have to live it. We have to be like Jesus. And he helps us to do that. Because when he gives us a calling, when he gives us a command, just like when we talked about loving your enemies, he then gives us the ability, the love, the hope, the grace to go out and fulfill it. That's all I got.